the title of my sermon tonight is Keep Encountering God. Keep Encountering God. And that's what we all need to do. So thankful again for you guys being here tonight. So thankful to our uh, youth pastors and uh, associate pastors and everything yesterday going down and feeding the homeless in Little Rock uh, in, in conjunction with uh, In His Footsteps Ministries. And I know the young people went, Sister Desiree and so many others, Sister Roxanne, there was a bunch of you go. And I'm naming them and I'll forget who was there and who wasn't there. I know Noah and I, we had a big day and it started early in the morning. And uh, anyway, we were excited to do it and get all set up. But it, I'm telling you what, I was, I was telling them a little bit this afternoon, I believe what I told somebody. Uh, early that morning, we were setting up the trailer, getting ready. They, they, we take a trailer down there. Well, we did this time. Uh, in his footsteps, takes this trailer down there and lets these homeless people shower. And uh, I heard one woman say, man, I'm glad you're here. I haven't had a shower in three weeks. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Get in there, girl. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I thought about that, and I'm like, wow, that's a long time without a shower. Um, I just know, you know, there's a, I don't know where Carden went to, wherever Carden's at. He goes, sometimes I'll get close to him. I'm like, dude, did you get a shower? And he goes, well, yesterday or the day before? And I'm like, you got to stay on 11-year-olds. I'm just telling brushing your teeth and showering is just not high priority for him. I'm just saying. It's not. Is it, is it priority for you, Jackson? Eh. Anyway, we, we got down. Oh, I know what I was going to say. There was a gentleman that came up to me, and he asked me, he said, Do you, can you help me with any placement to put me in a home somewhere? And I, I, before I could even say anything, he said, I'm not talking about just a, a, another homeless shelter. He said, somewhere where you could put me in a home. And I said, well, we don't have the resources right now to do that. And I said, and, and I don't know if you're interested in moving to Greenbrier, but I said, we were in Greenbrier, which is 40, 50 miles away. And he's like, wow, and you come all the way down here to do this for us? I was like, yes, sir. I said, we're, we've partnered up here, and, and it's just a heart of ours now to do this. And uh, he's, he told me this, and I'll never forget it the rest, of, the rest of my life. Because he looked at me right in the eyes, he goes, I'm not like the rest of these guys. I thought, I, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen next. He said, I'm not like the rest of these guys. He said, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. <laughs> I wasn't able to stay there. I got it all set up. But they said two was saved yesterday. And I thank the Lord so much. Our church, we have a part in them too in the kingdom from yesterday's ministry. It's thank you so much for being there and playing a part in them two salvations. Amen. Glory to God. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, if you would stand with me for the reading of the word. I broke my glasses this morning. They were my $5 pair. Now I have to put on my expensive bifold, and I can't see anything, so this is what it is. Genesis 32 and 24 says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his right or of his thigh. I just pictured it right. I'm sorry. I'm reading right, right. I'm right-handed. It must have been the right thigh. Uh, the hollow of his thigh is where he touched him. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, this is Jacob, or, or this is the angel he's wrestling with. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. Jacob said, and, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Now, 
I know I just butchered that, and you can read it for yourself. You can read it up there on the screen. But we see the story unfolding here. He's wrestling with the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord says, let me go. Jacob says, no, no, not until you bless me. All right, we, got, we all got the story there. We got it all right. Father, I thank you for your word. I butchered it tonight, Father, but it's still the word of God. It's the truth. I ask you, Lord, for the seed of the word that we bring forth tonight will grow and it'll take root in a good ground here tonight. I ask you, Lord, to hide me behind the shadow of the cross. I ask you, Lord, to anoint me with the Holy Spirit to speak what you would have me to speak. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. The great principle that God cannot give victory to the flesh appears in this story on this night. It is the broken heart that begins to express what divine power means. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It was better for the sun to rise upon a limping Jacob or Israel, which, is, which means peace of God, and it was his new name that was given to him, than to set upon a lying Jacob, which means deceiver or supplanter. I'm going to read on in verse 27. It said, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Then I want to go to Hosea 12 and 4. It says there, Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept, he made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there spake with us. God's word translation says, Jacob cried and pleaded with God. I read one commentary that says, when you see the angel of the Lord in the Bible, you can realize that that's Jesus. That's Jesus uh, wrestling with him right there. And I thought, well, that's awfully good. Uh, we need to cry and plead with God over our situations, just like Jacob was crying and pleading with God that night. His brother wanted to kill him. Because of the past wrongs. If you know the story of Jacob, you know that he was not a, a real good guy. You know that he stole some things from his brother. You know uh, that you know, even at birth, he was grabbing onto his heel. You understand all of them stories. And so now you see Jacob. He's scared because his brother is going to kill him. And uh, he's running. That's what he's doing. He was in a desperate situation. He felt like death was knocking at his door. He was trying to get a hold of God. He was wrestling with the angel of the Lord that night. When sore and broken by the mighty hand of God, Jacob ceased to wrestle and clung and weeping and supplication to the very God who wounded him. But that's when he got the victory and his name Israel. So many times... When something's going on in our lives, I know we see a subject here. We see the, the scripture and Jacob's wrestling with the Lord. We see that, but there's so many times that there's hurts, there's sorrows in our life, and we don't understand. I love what Jacob did here, though. He laid up against him and began to weep. He laid up against him and began to weep. Had supplication with him. We, want, we don't never want to think that God would ever harm us in any way or that God would bring us on some circumstance that give us a problem or a limp. Heard my dad say one time, we all need a limp 
from God. We need God's touch. We walk with that spiritual limp. What I do know is God loves us too much to leave us in our sin or in our bad circumstances or problems, and He would do whatever needs to be done to bring us to an encounter with Him. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on in our lives, what's happening in our lives. Why did we have to go through this? Why are we walking through the situation we're walking through? Remember this, there's a reason for everything. I, I told, I think it was Sister Donna, I can't remember now, my memory's just not there tonight, I guess. But I told them, I said, God spoke to me a few nights ago and says, start thanking me for the things you've walked through. Start thanking me for the things that I brought you through. Because in the middle of them trials, in the middle of them fights and battles, where I was sore and in pain, I didn't think it was from God, for sure. That's got to be the devil. But you know what? Sometimes there's some testing going on. Sometimes there's some things going on. And God said, thank me for the things that I brought you through. Thank me for the things that I've done for you already. Hallelujah. God asked Jacob, what's your name? How many knows God already knows your name? He already knows your name. So what's he doing here? Why is he asking Jacob his name? He already knew his name. He's wanting Jacob to say his name. He wants Jacob to understand who he is and what he is without Christ, exactly what he is. He's a thief. He was. He stole a birthright. That's what he was. God wanted him to realize, and it, it, it paints a picture for us. When we come to Christ, we have to realize who we are. We're sinners. We've been born into sin. When we come to God, we have to admit our sin. We have to confess our sin. Hallelujah. He wanted Jacob to admit who he was and what he actually was, which the name Jacob adequately portrayed. True faith requires that we admit what we are before we can receive what he is in us. Hallelujah. Genesis 32 and 31 says, And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh, or he was limping because of his leg. Limping because of his hip. Wherever he was touched there, the hollow of his leg. We see the sun is now rising, but upon a crippled Jacob. If the Lord is to reveal himself to an individual, the flesh must be crippled. The flesh must be crippled. That's an absolute necessity right there. Crucifying the flesh. We need to have an encounter with God that is so real that it changes us from the inside out. We need to pursue a life-changing touch from God. We need to continue to have encounters with God. There's always that, that first time encounter God, with God when we get saved. We come to realize who He is and, and that salvation He imparts on us when we believe and ask for His forgiveness, confess Him. But you know what? That's not enough. It wasn't enough for me just to marry Shelly. I want to have a relationship with her. I want to see her daily. I want to talk to her. I want to know what makes her uh, laugh. I want to know what makes her cry. I want to know everything about her. God wants the relationship just like that. Is anybody awake tonight? Anybody, I see your faces. I see some nods. I thought we got sleep, but maybe we didn't get enough. We need to have God consistently encountering in our lives. Hallelujah. We need to have a touch on our lives until we are permanently marked with that spiritual limp. We need to have that mark about us when we walk into a room. Somebody says, there's a Christian. 
there's a Christian. I've met people in my life where I didn't know them at all. The first time I met them, I said, I believe that guy's a Christian. And somebody said, why? And I said, I, I could feel it. I can see it in him. There's, there's something about him that's a little different. And I don't know if that's just a spiritual limp that you can pick up on. I don't know, but that's what we need. I have to depend on my spiritual mark for the rest of my life. I can't take another step without Jesus. I've got to have his touch. I have to have such a dependency on God that I'll fall without that spiritual mark. Without that touch, we will surely fall. I have to lean on him. Jacob was leaning on him. He was weeping. I've wrestled with the Lord so long in my life that I realize I'm lame without him. He gave me such a touch that I don't want to walk without him. I don't want to talk without him. I don't want to go anywhere without him. Hallelujah. That's the way we've got to be. We want that touch. We want that encounter. We want that closeness in our relationship to be with him at all times. My life is so dependent on him that he is my life. Hallelujah. He has to be our life. That's the kind of encounter that we need to have with God. The kind of encounter or relationship that when the winds blow and the waves crash against our lives, we don't just give up. Look how bad it is on me, Pastor. Look at what's going on in my life. You can see all these things going on. It's time for me just to give up. I, I've tried God for a while. I've actually had people tell me that before. Oh, I tried God for a while. I tried church for a while. I tried Christianity for a while. Give up. Give up. Lean against Jesus. Lean against Jesus. Don't give up. Don't give up your salvation. Give up to Jesus. Give up to Jesus. We're leaning on God so much so that when trouble comes against us, it can't push us over because we're leaned up against Jesus. Hallelujah. We recognize our crippled flesh. We have a dependence on him. And that's the way it should be. We should be dependent on him so much that when the winds blow, the waves crash, we're leaning on Jesus. We're not going anywhere. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about three boys that had the right relationship with God before they needed God to show up. How many has ever needed something, but you didn't have what you needed at the time? I can think of a bunch of things. Every time I go to get a tool, it's not there. I need that tool. Now, usually, it's my boys. I understand that. I'm thankful. They're a blessing. Just put my tools back. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. But we need that right relationship with God before we're in that time of need. Amen? These three boys, they were strong in their faith and in God before the enemy attacked them. I want you to know that God shows up in his time and not ours. Me and Miss Metz have had this conversation over and over and over. We think, God, this is the perfect time for this. Man, we could see it. If you step in right here, this, this, this is going to happen. It's a domino effect. God, this is your timing. We know it's going to happen right here. And then God doesn't do it. We're like, and God, you missed a great opportunity to do this. I had it all planned out. God, God does it when God wants it done. God knows best. Wait, and I'm so shocked at myself and everyone. We can't seem to get that in our head. God knows what's best. So when something doesn't go our way, we shouldn't be saying, well, God just blew it for me. He didn't do this for me. He didn't save me from that. He didn't keep me from that hurt. He didn't keep me from this. God knows what's best. I'm going to throw this in for free right here. And sometimes you're reaping. God, give me a crop failure. That's what we need to be praying sometimes. I know what I did. I know what I deserve. God, give me a crop failure. 
I don't want to reap that part of it, God. But sometimes that's just the way it is. Them three boys, they had the right relationship with God before they needed God. I want you to know that God shows up maybe on his time, but it's right on time. It may not be our time, but it's his time. He shows up, and it's still on time. Hallelujah. And there's a bunch of incidents in the Bible I go through. I'm not going to get into them tonight. There's a bunch of them. If we had the, uh, the right relationship and the encounter that we so desperately need, you will see where God shows up, where before you didn't recognize him when things happen. I know there's been situations in my life where God shows up in such a way, and I'm just like, I didn't expect that. I, I just simply didn't expect it. God, you, you're doing something that I never even expected. I love unexpected blessings. I'm not just talking financial. I love unexpected blessings. Sometimes it's a word of encouragement. When we're down, nobody knows that you're smiling. Everybody thinks things are great. You just pulled your wife's hair in the car and you, everything's supposed to be great. You come into church smiling. Hey. Somebody encouraged you in the Lord. Maybe it's not that bad. I never pulled her hair hard. No. Before you get to the hospital, God will show up. Before the electric bill is not paid and they shut your electricity off, God will show up. God will show up. He's faithful. I wanted to tell a little story right here, and I put it in Peyton. Peyton was about... This old, and uh, I was babysitting, which is, you can see the first, Shelly's first mistake. And uh, we, our bus is sitting on our property, and when you shut that bus door, there's a gap in that door, I don't know, maybe, maybe a quarter inch, and it's metal, metal on metal. And Ferris was sitting on the steps of the bus, and Cardin was standing outside, and he was just playing. He had opened that door and kind of playing peekaboo with her, and she had a handle in there, and she was just pulling it uh, shut, and she was doing it real soft. Well, one time, he decided to stick his hands in there while she was pulling the door shut. And she closed his hand in that door. Now, mind you, he's this old. His fingers are still too big to be smashed in that small of a hole. He screamed out, and I come running around the bus, opened the door, because it was latched, and his hand was in it opened the door, and I looked down at his fingers, and they were all slit to the bone. It was a nasty, nasty sight. I grabbed him up. I wrapped his hand up. I got in the back seat, and I said, Dad, take me to the hospital. I called Shelly on the way to the hospital, told her to meet me at the hospital. He's just about cut his fingers completely off. So she's frantic, and she leaves her job and heads to the hospital. We get to the hospital, they unwrap, but I'm going to tell you, the back seat of that car, I was praying. It's like, God, Shelly's going to kill me. But would you heal this little boy? I found myself desperate real fast. God, would you heal his fingers right now? Would you touch him, Lord? By the time we got to the hospital and Shelly come in, the doctors took him real quick, and they started unwrapping, and they let him stay right there. They opened up his hands, and she goes, why did you bring him to the hospital? 
There was just some little marks there. There was no cuts anymore that I remember. It was a miraculous miracle that happened in the back seat of a car. But I knew him before I got into that car. I knew him before he shut his hands in that door. I had that relationship. I was leaning on him. I had a spiritual limp already. He will come through. He will come through. I got bifocals in tears. Lord, help me. He's an on-time God. In Daniel chapter 3, we see King Nebuchadnezzar found Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down to his name whenever the music played. So they brought them before the king. It was the law. When they heard the music play, they had to bow down. Everyone would bow down or be killed when the music was played. These boys knew the law. They knew the punishment. They knew the punishment was going to be death by fiery furnace. Didn't you ever want to just punish your kids like that? Death by fiery furnace. They didn't bow down to another God. They're not bowing down to anyone. No, they said, we're not even careful about answering you, king. They had a made-up mind already. It didn't matter what the penalty was. They had a made-up mind. I'm going to tell you right now, this is a great story for the situation that America's in right now. You better have a made-up mind. You're going to be presented with some choices down the road. You better have a made-up mind and the right choices you need to be making. Amen. They said, you know what, King? We're, we're not even careful about answering you. We will not bow down. Absolutely not. We refuse to do what you're saying. Bring on the fiery furnace. That's what they're saying. Bring it on. Bring it on. Made me think. You remember that video game as a kid? There was a, it was a fireman game. And you go in, you put out all these fires. And your life would be, you had this little line over here and your life would be going down and you'd have to get some energy or oxygen. And then your life come back and you're fighting all these fires and they just break loose on this video game. But if you let your oxygen get down too far, all of a sudden that little man on the TV all of a sudden started just incinerating. He was gone. I'm thinking in my mind, these guys are thinking, bring on the fiery furnace. and thinking, we're going to heaven today, boys. <laughs> we're going to meet the king today. Oh, my. We need to be more like the Hebrew boys. Amen? When we're faced with opposition, when we're faced with bad doctor's reports, when the bills are piling up, when you feel you want to give up, we're not even concerned about answering the negative thoughts. We will not bow down. We're going to continue to serve God. Hallelujah. How about when someone challenges your faith and the devil starts threatening you? You need to look him in the eye and say, we will not bow down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We will not give in. We will not turn back on our church, on our God, on our families. We're not going to bow down to anything that comes against God. We will not give up in just because you threaten us, devil. Going to have to do better than that. But because they had already had their encounter with God, they were already leaning on him. Their faith began to rise up. Hallelujah. They said, God will deliver us. 
We're not even scared how we answer you, man. God will deliver. Somebody said, well, they're smart, Alex. Well, when you got God on your side, he's like the big brother. You know, you got a big brother standing by you. You can say whatever you want because big brother's got you. He's going to beat that guy up. When God's on your side, you can talk to the devil any way you want to talk. When your heart's right with God, you can talk to the devil any way you want to talk. Hallelujah. He was faithful in the past. He supplied my need in the past. He healed me in the past. He delivered me in the past. He saved me in the past. I may not understand why I'm going through this, but I know he'll be faithful again. He'll supply my need again. He'll heal me again. He'll deliver me again. He'll save me again. My God will deliver me out of that fiery furnace. Hallelujah. That's what they're saying to him. I may not know how. I may not know when. But because of my relationship with Jesus, I know he'll do it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The king had them tied up. And when they took that leap or that push of faith, I don't know how they did it. They may have just said, that's it. I'm, I'm going. Me first. I'm jumping in. I don't, I don't think I'd be pushing my brother. You try it first and see how that works for you. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And then the Bible said the king looked in. And when the king looked in, we all know the story. They were walking around free from whatever bound. They were tied up when they went in. So they're going to go in. Jackson, they're going to go in and burn up, right? And the king looks over in the furnace and what's he see? They're not burning up. They're not even tied up. And they're walking around. When you're walking through the middle of a fire in your life, when you're walking through a situation in your life, you think, man, I don't know how I'm getting out of this. Remember, God's got you. He can protect you from any fiery furnace you get thrown into in your life. Hallelujah. 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 Nothing was binding them up. They were walking around. But not just the three Hebrew boys. This is the key but one that looked like the Son of God. Hallelujah. When you're walking around with God, don't try that fiery furnace without Him. I'm just going to tell you. You're going to get burned. You're going to get burned. But that one looked like the Son of God. God will provide even when we have to walk right through the fire. When we have to walk right through situations. Each and every one of us could tell stories tonight of how God has brought us through something. Because if you're a human being and you've lived any years at all, you've had some bad things happen to you. Has anyone here never had anything bad happen to you? Maybe Macy back there or Cooper. I know Cooper said some bad things. I seen the blood gushing from him one day. There's been some bad things happen to each and every one of us. We've got to understand that God will still provide even when we have to walk right through them bad situations. So don't be surprised when we have to walk through the fire. Just remember that the Son of God... He's already been there before. He can do it again. Hallelujah. He knows how to walk through fiery times of our life. And not only that, they were bound and they were tied up but before, they, before they went into the fire. But while walking with God through the fire, they were loose from the restraints that held them captive. When we're walking through things in our life and we think, wow, I'm walking through the worst trial of my life. This is a fiery furnace in my life. We see them so bound up. This tells us right here we can be loose. We can be loose while we're walking through the fiery trials of our life. So if there's something binding you up, I don't care if it's a habit. I don't care if it's a secret sin. I don't care what's going on in your life. That's something that keeps binding you when you're walking through the fiery furnace. God can deliver you, not only out of that situation, but he can loose the chains that hold you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you give the Lord a hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory.
Shelly, you can come back. I should have told you that I'm not going to be long tonight. Glory. In the middle of your worst trial, you can find freedom in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The devil thinks that he has you right where he wants you. He wants you to look at the circumstances instead of Jesus. If, and I, and I've, I don't know how many times I've preached it, but I've preached it over and over and over about our vision and what we're seeing, what we're magnifying. Because when we're sitting there looking at our problems, our fiery furnace, whatever, our trial, whatever you want to call it, and we're not looking and focusing on Jesus, we're looking at the wrong thing. Me and Sister Kim was talking today at lunch and was talking about a situation where so many bad things is happening to a certain individual. I told her, I said, you know what, we got to get our eyes off that situation and look at Jesus. We got to look to Jesus in them bad situations and understand that he's got us. He'll carry us through them fiery times. Not only that, he'll loose us from the chains that bind us. Hallelujah. The devil thinks he's got us, but he doesn't. What he doesn't understand, what he doesn't want you to know, let me put it that way, is God will loose you while you're walking through the fire. Because if we latch hold of that and we understand that, we're not going to be scared when we're walking through something. Instead, when that trial comes, we're going to start saying, you know what, I don't know why I'm going through this, but I do understand God's going to deliver me from it. And not only that, he's going to lose something in my life that's going to deliver me out of something else. It's a time of blessing. I'm just going to tell you, you're walking through a fiery trial. It's a time of blessing. You need to, Roxanne, you need to look at it as a time of blessing. It doesn't look like it. It's a time of blessing right now. I'm just saying. If you're walking through something, that means you're already into it. I got this from Brother Dane Hall. If you're walking through something, that means you're already into it. And if you're already into it, it means you're already coming out of it. I love that. I love that. If you have a relationship with the Son of God and He's walking in your situations, you have just exactly what you need. You don't need more money. You don't need a better relationship. You don't need a better car, a better house. You don't need any of the better position. You don't need them things. You need Jesus. You need God to work on your behalf. You need God to deliver you from a fiery furnace. You need God to deliver you and unchain you from the, the, the shackles that bind you. If you have to walk through it, guess what? He's already been there before. If you have to deal with it, he already has the peace for you. If you have to figure it out, he already has the answers for you. If you're bound by it, he already loosed you from it. He will keep taking care of us and keep us cool in the heat of our lives. Hallelujah. He cares and loves for us so much that he already made a way of an escape in times of trouble. We need to have that encounter with God. These three Hebrew boys had that encounter with God before they were thrown into this trial. We just need to remember that we've already had an encounter with the Savior, and He'll save us again from this trial, this difficulty, this situation, the financial disaster, the health issues. He'll heal our marriages. Hallelujah. He'll give us wisdom for that wild child. He will. He'll give us discernment for the decisions we're supposed to make. He'll be that fourth man in the fire, and He'll deliver you and me. When we have that encounter with God, Jacob had an encounter with God. These three Hebrew children obviously had had an encounter with God. Would you stand with me tonight?